right. Good morning, everyone. Can I just say, Jeremy, Jeremy just gave y'all praise for, I think he called you a choir. Um, I was sitting down front and sitting right in front of the speaker. And too many times on Sunday morning, that speaker, when you're sitting down there, that's all you can hear is, is what's being performed on the platform. But in that last song, I was just moved, moved because all I could hear were the voices singing. You were drowning out the, the people on the, on the platform. So what an amazing moment of worship that was. So thank you so much. I tell you what, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. I look forward to Sunday. It's my favorite day of week. It's a chance that we get to come together as a family. We get to fellowship. We get to worship. We get to sing. We get to hear God's word spoken. It is just the day that I look forward to each and every week. And it is so good to see you. You guys are looking fantastic. It's good to see all of you today. And I also want to welcome all of those that are tuning in online. For those of you that I have not had the opportunity to meet before, my name is Larry McCall, and I have the awesome privilege of serving on staff here at Church on the Rock. If you are a first-time guest with us today, I am not the lead pastor. I am filling in for Pastor Josh. He is on a much-needed break this weekend. Him and his family are away. He's been working really hard and preaching week after week after week, and so he took his family and went away. And I would just say, if you're with us for the first time, first of all, thank you for coming. We are so glad that you're here, or we're so glad that you're tuning in for the first time. But if you are here for the first time, I would encourage you, regardless of what you think of my message today, especially if you do not like my message today, come back next week. Come back and hear from Pastor Josh, because I can tell you, Pastor Josh is a man of God, and number one, he loves God. But number two, he loves you. And if you're a first-time guest here and you've never met him, I can tell you he loves you already. You just haven't met him yet. So come back, meet Pastor Josh, and get a, get a chance to listen to him speak. All right, let's go to the Lord and we'll get started this morning. Father, we love you so much. We're just so thankful for this time that we do get to gather together, Lord. We thank you for making the space available to you. We thank you that you've given us such an awesome worship team that can lead us into to worship, Lord. We just praise you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that just sets the atmosphere. Your Spirit called each and every person that's here today. Your Spirit laid the word on my heart today that is going to be spoken. And we just thank you and praise you. And now, Lord, we just ask that you do what only you can do, and that is to touch the hearts of every single person here today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, we have been in this incredible series. Have you all enjoyed this series that we're in? I'll tell you what, it has been, yeah, go ahead, lift it up. I mean, it has been um, really, really impactful for me. We've called this series Heart Check. And, you know, we periodically we go to the doctor. You know, we're supposed to go on those annual checkups, right? And it's just a good thing to do, just to make sure that everything's in working order and, and to check all the vital signs. Well, that's kind of what this message has been. It's been an opportunity for us just to check our heart in different different perspectives. So each week, the message has really been geared toward what's going on in our heart. We started out in week one talking about the actions of the heart. And the gist of that message um, was sometimes, even if we don't know why we're supposed to do the things that we're supposed to do, if we are just obedient and do those things, then our heart will catch up. 
A perfect example is when we first come to the Lord, right? We read that we're supposed to, we're supposed to pray, we're supposed to fast, we're supposed to give. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't know why I'm supposed to do those things. And I don't know if I can really trust God in those areas. But when you step out in faith and do those things and you experience that God stands on his promises and they're true, then our heart follows behind. Week two, we talked about attitude of the heart. And that was kind of the reverse, right? And this is one where I kind of recall when I first came to the Lord, right? I was living a very worldly life. I was hanging out at the bars and just doing, I had a lot of bad habits. You know, I was not leading a very godly life at all. But when I met Jesus and I started to come to church, something began to happen within my heart. The more time I spent in church, the more time I spent with Jesus, the more time I spent in his word, a change began to take place. And suddenly those desires to hang out in those worldly places places began to fade away. Those bad habits that I had began to be replaced with healthier habits. And suddenly, even the words that I used began to change. Even those addictions that were rooted deep inside of me over time began to break free, right? There was a change that was taken in my heart. So as my heart drew closer to God and he began to transform my heart, the things that I did began to change as well, the attitude of the heart. And then the next week, Pastor Juan came up and he talked about hearts that forgive. And what a powerful, powerful message that was. And that one really resonated well with me. And in that message, kind of the, the, the big punchline was that we need to forgive because if we don't forgive, we carry that, that bitterness in our heart, right? And that bitterness begins to, to quelch the spirit that's inside of us. And what Juan said that day was, when should we forgive, right? We should forgive immediately because when did Jesus forgive? He, he forgave while he was hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. That message really impacted my heart, and I had a chance to put that into practice last week. Not that I needed to forgive anybody. In fact, it was the opposite. I offended a dear close friend of mine. We were in a meeting, and there was a, a discussion going on, and I shut him down. And I, I talked over him, and I, I knew that I hurt his feelings, and I offended him when it happened. And I felt really bad about it. And when the meeting ended and I had an opportunity, I remembered the message that was spoken about now is the time to forgive. And though I didn't need to forgive, I needed to seek forgiveness right away. So I went straight to my brother. And here was the cool thing. I walked up and I said, hey, I need to. And before I could even finish the sentence, my brother hugged me and started crying. And he said, I know. And I knew in that moment that my brother had forgiven me the moment I had offended him. And it just, oh, it just solidified that message. Mi amigo, mi amigo. All right, and then last week, Pastor Josh talked about hearts that trust. You know, and that was another very impactful message. And the, the overarching question at the end of that was, what areas of our life do we not fully trust God with? And for a lot of us, that's money, right? Money seems to be the hardest thing for us to fully trust God. But it's not just money. It could be any aspect of our life. So it was a call for us to search our heart and find those areas of our heart that we don't fully trust God. Now today we're going to take another step in this journey and we're going to look at hearts for the kingdom. We've been using 
uh, Proverbs 4.23 is kind of the overarching verse for this series. And it says, guard your hearts above all else. Guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And then the text that we've been using to teach out of has been Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And it's a long sermon. It takes several chapters in the Bible. And we've started in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to flash towards the end of that chapter today because that's where the relevant text is for the message today. We're going to pick up in verse 24 through verses 33. And Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve two masters. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, Jesus was specifically talking about money when he's talking at this point in his sermon. But his point, you can't serve two masters, is a global principle. It applies to anybody, anywhere, not just to money. We can't serve two masters. We live in the kingdom of this world. We were born into it. We grew up in it. We are a part of this world. We're citizens of this world. No matter what we can do, we cannot escape the world that we're in. However, we're also in the kingdom of God. So we have these two kingdoms that are going on simultaneously in our life for those of us that follow Christ, right? And we have to be careful which one is our master because it will create conflict within us. Then Jesus goes on. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Now let me just pause right there. Jesus understands what our life is like. He came in the flesh so he could experience everything that we experience. He knows that we have responsibilities. We have bills to pay. We have kids to take care of. We have a wife or a husband to support, right? We have real life responsibilities. He's not trying to overlook those or discount those responsibilities. He's just trying to make the point that life is more than just simply those responsibilities. In fact, in John, in the book of John, verse 10, 10, Jesus says, I came to give you life. This world that we're in, it brings challenges, stress, problems, accountability, responsibilities, these things that are heavy and burdened down. Jesus says, I came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. And where the world demands all these things for us, I came to give you things like peace and joy and hope. He came to give us life abundantly. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't they far more valuable to him than they are? Can all, your wor- can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. Don't they, they don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are there today, and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. 
but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now last week, Pastor Josh took these same verses, and he talked about, he called it the elephant in the room. Because there may be some skeptics that said, wait a minute. Proverbs says, guard your hearts above all things. And yet in Matthew, Jesus is saying, you should seek the kingdom of God above all things. Well, which is it? And if you remember last week, if you were here, Pastor Josh said, yes, right? I love when he does that. Yes, what's the answer? Yes, it's both, right? And Pastor Josh said that he would argue that we can't seek the kingdom unless we guard our hearts. So that's why both are true. And I want to take that, that thought one step further and show you in Scripture why that is a true statement. Bridget and I got married back in December. In fact, four more days. Yeah, come on. Four more days. We'll, be, we'll have been married two months. And uh, one of my dear brothers asked me shortly after we got married, he goes, okay, Larry, what has been the most surprising thing about being married and living together with Bridget? And that was very quick. I knew right away exactly what it was. And it was a really good thing, right? And it was our spiritual life that we have together. Now, we dated for three years, and the first thing that we connected with was spiritually. So we've had a healthy spiritual life through our whole courtship and engagement. Um, but living together just took that to a whole new level because now we could get up in the morning and actually do our devotion time together. In fact, we chose at the beginning of the year to start one of those read the Bible in a year plans. And so we're both doing it together. So we're reading the same scriptures every day. And it gives us a chance to, hey, what, what caught your attention today? And this is a question that I have. So it's been pretty cool. But we're also doing our own independent studies and we get to talk about those things as well. And a couple of weeks ago, Bridget was like, I got to share something with you. And I'm like, well, what's that? And she goes, I read something so powerful, and it, it ties in so well to this series that we're in. So I said, okay. So she shares. And it's about a story that is, a, that is recalled by Luke in his book. It's Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. And this is a story about Jesus and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are asking Jesus, they said, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? You keep talking about the kingdom of God. When's it going to come? And Jesus, I can almost picture him shaking his head. It's like, you fools. You fools. You're so blind. And you are the preachers. You're the religious people. But you're so blind. You don't even see the kingdom who's standing right here in front of you. He says, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. It's not like the world we're in. You can't see visible signs of the kingdom. You won't be able to say, oh, here it is, or there it is, it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. He's trying to tell the Pharisees, I'm standing right here, but you're so blind you can't see me. But the cool thing about this verse is if you dig in in the Greek, that word that's used for among has other translations. And one of the definitions is it's within. It's within. So if you reread that, the kingdom of God is within you. So for those of us that are Christ followers, the kingdom of God is literally in our heart. And then if you go back and read that verse from Proverbs, it takes on a whole new meaning. Guard your heart above all else. Why? Because the kingdom of God is in your heart. Make sense? 
It's one of those things. Praise the Lord. All right, so today we're going to talk about hearts for the kingdom. And just three points that I want to make. There are a kingdom-focused heart is more concerned with, number one, a kingdom-focused heart is more concerned with relationship than results. Relationship than results. I read an article the other day. Anybody a fan of Darius Rucker? Any Darius Rucker fans? It's okay, you can raise your hand. I know we're in church, but Darius Rucker is a country music artist. He's very famous. I think he's had like eight albums, won a lot of awards, right? I know Darius Rucker as Hootie from Hootie and the Blowfish, right? That's, that's Darius Rucker. Anyways, I read this article the other day, and they were interviewing him, and the question that was asked was, Darius, why do you still push yourself so hard? You've had such three decades of music. You've been so successful. Why do you continue to push yourself so hard? His response floored me. He said, because I feel I haven't done enough. I haven't done enough. And that is like our society, right? We walk around all the time. We want more. We need more. I haven't done enough. I haven't experienced enough of this life. I haven't raised enough money for my retirement. I haven't accomplished enough things in my career. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't because I want more, more, more. A perfect example. Do you know what one of the greatest, the fastest growing industries in America is? It's storage units. Storage units. I remember as a kid, storage units were, were a thing, right? You could find one in the city and there was like 20 units, right? Now, it's like every corner you turn to, they're building a new storage unit. And these aren't just any storage units. These are three-story monstrosities. They're climate controlled. They're fancy. They've got lights on them all the time, right? We have so much stuff that we can't keep it in our house anymore. we got to have a storage unit to put it in. Now, before you get mad at me, before you get mad at me, our church has a storage unit too. It's okay, right? But it's who we are. It's how we're wired. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. Remember the Ten Commandments, the story of the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus? God calls Moses to the top of Mount Sinai to give him the Ten Commandments. And he begins and he gives him the first commandment. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In other words, what God was saying to all of us, I love you more than anything. Therefore, you should love me more than anything. That's what that first commandment says. Remember David slew Goliath as a child, would go on to be King David? God said David was a man after his own heart. And it certainly wasn't because of what David did, right? Because what David did was commit adultery, commit murder, the father of a dysfunctional family. I mean, come on. Why would you choose him, God, right? But God said, David was a man after my own heart. Why? Because David loved God. In fact, the book of Psalms, there's a 150 Psalms. David is personally credited with writing over half of those psalms. 
right? And if you read the Psalms that David wrote, he's doing one of two things. He's either telling God he loves him, praising him, worshiping him, or he's begging God to forgive him because he doesn't want anything to become in between David's relationship with God. David loved God more than anything. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, arguably the greatest Christian not named Jesus. Paul went on multiple missionary journeys to spread the gospel outside of Israel. He would start churches. He started dozens of churches throughout Asia Minor. Because of the work that Paul did, we're able to gather in church today because the gospel spread westward. Paul is credited for writing half the book of the New Testament. Half of the New Testament are letters that Paul wrote to the churches that he started. So even our Bible, right? Paul wrote a good portion of the Bible. This is what Paul said to the church in Philippians and in, in Philippi. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and say, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss. In other words, what Paul is saying is all the churches I've started, all the missionary trips I've been on, all the letters I've written, they may be good things, but compared to knowing you, God, those things count for nothing because you are the most important thing. And Jesus, when asked one time, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. We're to love God. So it's not about what we do on this earth that really matters. Yes, we have a life to live. We have responsibilities and accountabilities, and we should do the best that we can to provide for our family. But those things should never get in place of our relationship with God. In fact, this was an area that God really convicted me during 21 days of prayer. Guys, I work for the church. I love my job. I'm so excited about what we're doing in this church. Uh, today is the launch of life groups, and we've got some new life groups that we're rolling out for the first time. We announced a couple of weeks ago we're going to do a missionary trip this year. I know what's coming down the road, and it is so excited. Next week, Pastor Josh is going to unpack some things that are going to take place over the next six months. It's exciting what we're doing in this church. But God told me during 21 days of prayer, he goes, Larry, the stuff you're doing is good. It matters. But it doesn't matter as much as your relationship with me. You need to spend more time focused on me than you do focused on my work. Mm. Mm. All right. Kingdom-focused hearts are more concerned with relationship than results. The next thing kingdom-focused hearts are more concerned with is compassion over cost. Compassion is love, right? It's what we care, how we care for other people. This is another area that God stepped on my toes as I was preparing this message. And he goes, Larry, Larry, let me remind you those times when you had a friend that needed to move and was looking for help. And I placed on your heart, you should go help that person. And what was your action? It was, man, I've got a lot of responsibilities. This is a busy week. This is a busy season. I would help you if I could. I'm just not able to right now. I calculated the cost. And the cost to me 
was greater than the need of my friend. Ouch, that hurts. Maybe there's some of you that you've seen a need, financial need. Somebody in, in church or, or maybe a friend of yours is in financial straits and they need some help. And it's not because they poorly managed their money. It's just they're having some misfortune. They've had some unexpected medical bills or something broke down unexpectedly and it's taken a lot of money to, to fix it. And now they're having a hard time feeding their children. And God laid on your heart, maybe you should help that person because you have some extra money in the bank, right? And maybe your thought was, hmm, I would love to help, but I've worked really hard to save up this money to take my family on a much-needed vacation. And that vacation means more to me than helping out somebody else. Sometimes we calculate the cost over compassion. In the Bible, there are many Bible verses where we can read about how Jesus was moved with compassion. In Luke chapter 7, verse 13, it says, When the Lord saw her, a grieving mother, her, her son had just passed away. When, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. Jesus was moved with compassion. Matthew 15, 32. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Let me pause right there. There may be some of you in the room looking at your watch right now going, man, when's Larry going to finish? Because I want to get to the restaurant before the crowd does, right? Imagine if Jesus was preaching. He preached for three days. And then he said, oh, they haven't eaten. I feel compassion for them. Right? So Jesus was moved with compassion. Matthew 9, verse 36. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad. A sheep, as sheep, having no shepherd. Jesus looked at the people and he's like, they can't help doing wrong. It's not their fault because no one has ever taught them the right way to do things. I have compassion on their situation. Matthew 14, 14, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them, and he healed their sick. Matthew 20, 34, So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight. And they followed him. So time after time after time, we see where Jesus didn't calculate the cost. He focused on the compassion and he was moved with compassion. I am a creature of habit. I, give, I fall into the same routine every day. And I talked about Bridget and I being married in this new spiritual routine that we're in. Every day we get up and we do our quiet time. As soon as we're done with our devotion time in the morning... I get to take our dog for a walk. Rob, you got that picture? Um, I get to take our dog, Theodore, for a walk. This is Theodore, right? Bridget calls him Theodorable, right? He's an adorable puppy. Theodore is my buddy. Every day I come home, it doesn't matter what time I come home, as soon as I get out of my car, I can see through the front door. He's at the front door waiting for me with a toy with a sock or a shoe in his mouth and his tail's wagging. Our favorite thing to do is to go in the backyard and play fetch. He loves that, right? He's my buddy. Every day after our quiet time, I take Theodore for a walk. And this past week, Thursday, oh, and now why I love that, by the way, is because Theodore does what dogs do, right? He sniffs and he you know, wanders around. 
And that gives me quiet time with the Lord. I usually use that time to pray. So it's my prayer time. So Thursday of last week, I'm walking Theodore, and I'm praying over my message. And I'm, I'm just asking God, you know, give me the, the wisdom. Give me the right words. You know, just help me, Lord, prepare my final thoughts. And I'm literally in the section. I'm praying about compassion versus cost. And i am got my head down, and I'm praying. I'm holding the leash. And then all of a sudden, I hear his collar hit the sidewalk. And the leash goes limp. And I pause, and I turn, and I look at Theodore, and he looks at me. And the look in his eye said, I'm free, aren't I? I take one step, boom, he's gone. Theodore is an Aussie doodle. If you know anything about Australian shepherds, they're very athletic. He's extremely fast. My first thought in the moment was, man, I have to get my notes to the production team so they'll be able to have them ready for Sunday morning. I've got to go to church and put out chairs for a funeral that's on Saturday. I've got this thing to do. I've got that thing to do. I don't have time for this this morning. And no sooner did that thought come into my head than the Lord said, Larry, are you going to have compassion or are you going to count the cost? Yes, Lord. So for the next 20 minutes, I patiently walked the neighborhood as Theodore would tease me, he would run and then stop, and I would get within two feet of him, and he would take off running again. He would literally run past houses into their backyard, and I'm literally praying, Lord, please don't let this person shoot me as I go into their backyard. And I wandered behind Theodore for 20 minutes until he finally stopped and let me put the leash back on him, and then we came home. Compassion versus cost. The final thing that kingdom-focused hearts are focused on is the eternal, not the temporal. Now, temporal is just a fancy word for temporary, right? It means temporary. So kingdom-minded hearts are focused on the eternal, not the temporary. I actually went out and Googled, what is the average lifespan today? It was interesting. The average lifespan for men today is 75 years. Good news for you women, it's 80. Y'all get five extra years. But for us men, it's 75 years. So whether it's 75 years or 80 years, you know, when you're a child, that seems like an eternity, right? It seems like forever. When you're pushing 60, it's like, oh boy, oh boy, that's a wake-up call. And then when you the childhood heroes that you had, those movie stars that you watched as a kid growing up, when they die, Apollo Creed died this week, right? I was a huge Rocky fan. That's like, oh my gosh, right? It's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. And it makes you realize that we have a finite period of time on this earth. And here's the question, and i got to move quickly, but here's the question. What is your focus during that finite period of time? And I would submit it's one of two things. It's either I've only got so much time to experience everything this life has to offer. I've only got so much time to go see the world. I've only got so much time to accomplish 
those goals that I set out. I've only got so much time to buy that car I wanted, have that house I wanted, to have those things that I'm one day going to put into a storage unit. I've only got so much time to do the things that I want to do. The other perspective, though, is this. I've only got so much time to deepen my relationship with the Lord because I'm going to spend an eternity with Him. Two very different perspectives. So the question is, what is your perspective? How do you approach the finite period of time that you have left? Eternal versus temporal. In the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Paul says, Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Set your sights on the reality. It is a reality, right? We live in the world that, that we live in, but there's a greater reality of the spirit world, and there is a heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Paul's saying the life that we're living right now, it's temporary. It's not your real life. The real life is the eternal life that we are going to experience in heaven with our Father. So live your life that way. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, physical training is good. You know, exercise is good. It's good to take care of our bodies. Our bodies are the temple of God. It's good that we train. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits, not only in this life, but in the life to come. So how are you living the finite period of life that you have? Are you chasing the desires of your heart or are you chasing a relationship with God? And I want to close with this. The most well-known verse in the Bible, even non-Christians can quote this verse from memory. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Why should we focus our time and efforts on God? Because of this verse right here. For God so loved the world when it says the world, he's not talking about the planet. Yes, God cares about the planet. We should take care of the planet. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about people. And he's not talking about people in general either, that I love all people. He does love all people. But our God is more than that. God loves each and every single person that has ever been born, that is on the face of the earth now, or that will ever be born in the, in the future. God loves you individually, each and every one of us. And it doesn't matter the bad things we've done. Remember David, an adulterer, a murderer, and a dysfunctional father? God still loved him, right? It doesn't matter. So you may be sitting here going, God can't love me. Yes, he can, and yes, he does. It doesn't matter what you've done because God doesn't look at the result God values the relationship. He wants a relationship with you. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God gave. He expressed his generosity in what he did. Right? Thank God. Thank God that God didn't look at me and ask the question, are you worth the cost? Because I shudder to think the answer would be no. Lord, I'm not worth your all. But he didn't. God never considered the cost. In fact, God paid the ultimate cost. He paid everything for me and for you and for all of you because he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us to restore the relationship with him. So God didn't count the cost. He was moved with compassion and love for us. Why? That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God wants us to enjoy the life that we have. I truly believe that. I truly believe that. But he's far more concerned with our eternal life and where we're going after this life. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, this verse is for you. It's for all of us. Odds, statistics are pretty solid that there are a bunch of people in this room today that do not have a personal relationship with Christ. And if that's you today, I've got good news that this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life is just for you. If it's something stirring inside of your heart, if that is you and you feel a stirring inside of your heart, you already believe, right? And the Bible says if you believe, then all you have to do is confess that Jesus is your Lord and you will be saved. And here at Church on the Rock, we do this pretty simply. We do it so that every single person can feel very comfortably saying out loud for the first time how much they love Jesus. All you got to do is follow along with me in a prayer. And to make it easy on you, our entire church family is going to say this prayer out loud with you. So if that is you today and God is touching your heart, then join us in this prayer right now. Bow your heads and just pray with me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life, all of it. Come into my heart. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. All that I am is yours. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right, let's give it up for those people. Okay, now I would ask you to stand. We're about to move into that moment of response. Our worship team's up here in a second. Jeremy's going to lead us into a final song of worship. This is your opportunity to respond. If you said that prayer just then for the very first time, I would encourage you to respond. Get out of your seat. Come down. Go up in this room to the side. We have prayer partners up here. Just simply go up the stairs and say, I gave my life to Christ, and somebody will pray with you. If this message has touched you in any way, I would encourage you, don't stay in your seat. Come forward. Respond to God. If nothing more, then come down and say thank you, Lord, for touching my heart. And then I think the fitting way that we can respond to this message today is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus taught 
his disciples to pray the Lord's Prayer. And I would just ask that we all join together right now as we close before our worship team starts and let's together pray the Lord's Prayer. And this is what Jesus said. This then is how you should pray. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us worship and respond.